Hey y'all, it's Nathan Resnick from Sourceify, and today we've got another epic guest on e-commerce on tap. This is a show about the entrepreneurs, creators, and agencies that make up the e-commerce world and the stories behind how they grew. Crack your brew because here comes another amazing episode. Hey, what's up? It's Nathan Resnick. Today we have another amazing episode of e-commerce on tap by Sourceify. Today we have Ben and Ben Dar today. And Jan, how's it going? It's going pretty good, Nate. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for taking the time to be on. Of course. It's a, it's a pleasure. Yeah. And, and so tell us where you, where you at today uh, in the world? So uh, right at this point, I'm in, in the sunny Florida, um, you know, enjoying the, the March weather, um, of like 89 degrees. So can't complain. That's incredible. And, and for those of you who don't know, Jan is the founder of Shipmunk. They are revolutionizing the way e-commerce fulfillment is done. And before we dive into e-commerce fulfillment and the automation you guys are providing, I always like to learn about an entrepreneur's background. You know, how did you get started in entrepreneurship? And did you always know you were going to start your own company? Uh, yeah, great question. So, you know, I've, I've always kind of leaned towards uh, entrepreneurship. I started my first business when I was like 12. Um, I was actually a DJ at like different events. Um, so that's, that's, you know, that's kind of where uh, my entrepreneurship career took off. I, you know, I didn't really make much money doing it, but it was a lot of fun and it was just kind of learn the basic principles of, of business. Um, and then I kind of continued on and, you know, when I moved to the States about 10 years ago, um, how I really got my feet wet in the logistics space was basically through some of my friends back in Europe wanted me to buy products for them in the States and ship it internationally back to Czech. Um, and so, you know, I was kind of like, let's, you know, let's, let's do that and let's see if some other people will want it too. So, um, I started doing it for France and then I created a basic website and basically just described like, Hey, you know, I'm a guy that lives in the States and if you want to buy something here, like, just let me know what it is. I'll, I'll buy it for you and then ship it over, um, wherever in the world you are. And, um, so that's, you know, that was my very first business that I started. Um, you know, when I was probably like a sophomore in college and, uh, I was doing that business throughout college. And then, um, right before I graduated, I won a couple of business bank competitions, got some cash from these competitions and really kind of, you know, officially started paying attention to this full time. And, uh, that's what eventually basically turned into Shipmong and, and, you know, kind of really doing the fulfillment and, and logistics for companies. But, um, that's, you know, basically what, um, how I got into, um, into logistics and into entrepreneurship. Got it. That's amazing. I mean, I love entrepreneurs that are really out there to face a problem or solve a problem that they've faced themselves. I mean, I think that's one of the best ways to get into e-commerce or get into entrepreneurship. What kind of like was the turning point? Because I feel like starting a fulfillment company, you know, it, it involves some upfront capital to have a warehouse, right? Yeah, you know, so it's uh, it's kind of a funny story. So our, our first year of actually doing this full time, um, we, I was part of an accelerator program that was just getting started at my local university. And they had about 30,000 square feet facility that was completely empty. There was basically nothing there. And they were trying to raise money to build um, like this collaboration workspace. Mm -hmm. And because I was the first, one of the first companies that went through that program, you know, as part of the, um, the program, they gave me a couple thousand square feet of warehouse space for free. Wow. So it was kind of like a dream deal where, you know, they got me some cash to be part of the program, but they also got me free warehouse space, which was amazing. So for the first 12 months, I didn't really have to worry about paying rent. And that definitely helped a lot, you know, in the, in the early beginnings. Um, the way, you know, we kind of 
pivoted towards order fulfillment was kind of funny because um, I had a local company that raised uh, about $5 million and they were trying to revolutionize the uh, uh, home automation space. And um, they read about me somewhere in, in the newspaper and um, the CEO calls me and he's like, Hey, like, you know, I love working with local entrepreneurs and startups and, you know, we're starting up this like cool company and we want you to ship our products. And I was like, well, you know, that's, I don't think you really understand what we do because we, you know, we ship stuff internationally for people around the world. Like we don't really do this kind of thing. And he's like, you know, but I mean, you're a startup, like you have a warehouse. I'm sure you can do this for us. So I was kind of like internally wondering, like, why doesn't this guy go to an established fulfillment company that that actually doesn't, you know? And so I was like, well, you know, their volume looks promising. They, their brand and their company, everything was amazing. Um, you know, they, they knew what they're doing. And, um, so I was like, well, you know, I mean, it, it sounds interesting. We can make money doing it. So why right. not try it? Got um, it. So it kind of, was that, was that, was that what stemmed and sparked a bit of a pivot then or that's yeah, exactly. So, well, so originally we were like, yeah, that's just an additional piece of business that we can do. And so, you know, I started doing a lot of research in that space and that's, I guess where I kind of had this, um, you know, moment in my life where I, I looked at the the industry and i saw like there's really no there's really no like competition like you know there's a lot of companies that offer fulfillment services but there's really nobody that does um that offers fulfillment services that me as an e-commerce guy would want to use right. all of them very old school very kind of like you know um 20th century kind of like you know 1990 website and you know no tech um mm-hmm. you know old people everywhere like it was it was very like you know, very old school. And so I figured, well, let's, why don't we just create this new brand for this emerging, you know, millennial generation of e-commerce owners. And um, so we kind of set up on that journey and that's what, you know, went for, for the first trade show, got our first customers and started building the platform. And really that's what, you know, got us going. That's amazing. And, and walk us through that process, just kind of building out your product. Cause you have, you know, logistics is such a complicated area of e-commerce where, you know, number one, you've got to manufacture products. Number two, you've got to import them. And number three, you've got to get those products to your end customers. Logistics, you know, the direct to fulfillment uh, opportunity here really focuses on in on that, that kind of third part of the table. And so, you know, walk us through the process of actually building out that product that, you know, now hundreds of different companies use that ship through ShipMonk. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's been... Um, it's been an interesting journey for sure. And, you know, I've had to learn a lot of things about this space and, um, you know, it is, it is a space where things are, you know, fairly complicated and they, they change a lot. And so it's, it's a, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't always easy. And especially, you know, coming into the space as a small startup with really no volume, you know, we couldn't really get good discounts from the carriers. We couldn't, you know, we didn't have any leverage. We, we, it was really hard to get our first, you know, 10 customers because it's just like, you know, they ask you for a reference and you really don't have anybody to send them to because you just don't have other customers. So, you know, the, the beginnings were pretty hard, um, but, you know, we really sold in the beginning, like we were really selling that kind of the personalized customer service and, um, you know, subscription boxes just started booming around that time. And so we started focusing on that market and um, got about three or four larger customers. And that kind of really helped us kind of, you know, get to that next stage um, and, you know, build kind of the, the basis of, you know, having the leverage to negotiate better deals and, um, and, you know, just being really able to 
compete with the bigger guys. Yeah. Walk us um, through that, that process because I like before I got into the e-commerce world, I used to think going to USPS or DHL directly was like the same deal that everyone else was getting. But you know, especially you on the inside, you know that people are getting different shipping rates based on the volumes that they're sending. You know, what's that dynamic like with these different uh, companies like USPS and DHL and FedEx? So, you know, I think a lot of the times it really depends on who you're dealing with. So some, you know, somebody like FedEx and UPS are a little more rigid um, where they, they basically have their tiers and, you know, nobody like you can know, you know, whoever you want in, in FedEx, but like, you're not going to be able to get um, better rates than somebody who's spending 10 million a, a year with FedEx, you know? So it's kind of a, with FedEx and UPS, it's a little more rigid where you basically are within a certain tier and that's the price they give you. Um, you know, you can obviously negotiate and you can, you can bring in different people to help you negotiate. And so, you know, it definitely, there's definitely a certain component, but um, you know, it's, it's harder to have leverage unless you have volume. Um, so it's really difficult for startups to, you know, get good pricing from FedEx and UPS. Um, you obviously can go the route of, of somebody like USPS, which basically is the exact opposite. You know, everybody can get a pretty good discount through USPS. Right. Uh, if you sign up for, you know, any of the, any of the postage providers um, online and you do it yourself. Um, and then DHL is a little bit of a, you know, kind of a, a, a different animal. You know, they, they basically resell USPS services and then they deliver it to the final destination, give it to USPS and then, for the last minute delivery, but um, they also have pretty high minimums. So, you know, unless you're doing, let's just say a couple hundred orders a day, you know, DHL is not going to work with you. So it, that's also not really for everybody. Got it. Interesting. And kind of what, from a customer standpoint, like if I'm buying from one of these e-commerce companies that you're fulfilling for, like walk me through that process where, you know, if I, if I buy on Amazon, I expect the shipment to come in you know, two days or less. And you have that same experience. Can you provide that same experience now through Shipmunk or just in general of the fulfillment world? Like, can 3PLs now compete with Amazon FBA? Yeah, so there's, you know, there's definitely a huge pressure in the e-commerce world on faster delivery times and, and reduced costs. And, you know, people have been pretty spoiled by, you know, what Amazon brings to the table in terms of um, delivery times and, and, and the shipping cost. Um, but there's, there's kind of like two, two sides of, of that story, right? I think, you know, from our standpoint, I mean, we can, you know, we can, we can definitely do it, you know, like based on our locations of, uh, of our fulfillment centers, we can get the product to the customer in two days um, or three days. You know, it's not always going to be the most economical option to get it to the customer. And I think, you know, what, what we're really finding is that a lot of brands that we work with, you know, they typically have a fairly unique product. Mm -hmm. uh, that they strictly push through their website and you know people don't really mind waiting an extra day to get the product through them and kind of like support a local business right you know, or not necessarily local but you know a smaller business rather than um, you know I mean from from typically what we see like Amazon is great at selling kind of more um, you know I would say off-the-shelf like typical products that there's a lot of mm -hmm. but they, you know brands don't really do that well on Amazon you know right. not, a lot of the other, um, I guess, scandals that kind of surround that whole, you know, Amazon stealing somebody's products and stuff like that. It's a little scary for brands to go on Amazon. Um, yeah, it can be for sure. What, um, like, walk me through the experience, basically. So, at what point do you think in an e-commerce company's life should they start using a 3PL? I mean, we have listeners that are 
just starting out. We have listeners that are doing seven, eight figures in sales. You know, walk me through that experience of deciding, all right, I think it's time I should start using a 3PL. Great question. I think, uh, I think typically, you know, the, the way we see people um, switching over to a 3PL is about 25 to 50 orders uh, per day mark. Um, you know, there's really like with us specifically, we, you know, we've set up our guidelines and processes so that we can work with customers that are even smaller. So anybody that does uh, more than um, hundred or 50 orders a month, we can work with. Um, but typically, you know, I would say an average to start outsourcing is about, you know, 30 orders a, a day or so. Um, but it, 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 you know, it really depends. I think uh, what people really have to think about is like, okay, how much time am I spending doing this? You know, how much, I mean, am I doing it in my garage? Do I have some friends coming over and packing boxes or am I actually personally doing it and, you know, not doing some other things that are important to my business? So, um, yeah, I think as long as, you know, once you start feeling like you're spending too much time packing your boxes, I think it's time to outsource. Yeah, I mean, I remember for, for myself as an e-commerce entrepreneur that used to fulfill all my products in-house, like it came to a point where I was just like, this is not worth my time, you know? And it's kind of, I think the same with every aspect of your business is as you grow, you have to figure out what is worthwhile to outsource. And, you know, 3PL logistics is definitely one of those first steps, I think, to outsource as you grow. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's a scary, it's a scary decision. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that, um, you know, they, they kind of like it's their baby and they don't really want to give it away and they're afraid of losing control. And, you know, but, but I think typically like, you know, I mean, it's really important to obviously work with a, a good company that can maintain your brand and, and do some personalization and, you know, really help you, um, keep that brand identity. But at the same time, like, you know, there needs to, there's always going to be a point where, you know, you're going to stop packing those boxes and, and somebody else is going to do it, whether it's going to be somebody that you give a job to or a 3PL. Right. Uh, you know, so it's important to look at it from more of a bigger picture standpoint than, um, you know, kind of like try to keep it and, and, and do it yourself. Yeah. So what do you walk me through that process? Like, so let's say I'm an e-commerce entrepreneur right now. I just started to do 150 orders, 200 orders a month, and it's starting to take up too much time to, to ship out these products myself. How should I go about deciding what 3PL to work with? So um, I think, you know, the, the, the number one thing is um, to, you know, really kind of understand what, what, the, what the 3PL or what the fulfillment center specializes in, you know, and, and what's important to you. So, um, you know, typically you will want to look at, you know, look, location is somewhat important, but for a lot of companies of that size, you know, it doesn't really make a difference to, I mean, it doesn't really matter to, you know, you don't want to split inventory into four or five different locations around the U S um, cause typically it's um, it's better to just stay focused and, you know, focus on selling the product instead of like being completely hundred percent logistically optimized. Um, so, you know, I would say um, find a, a decent location. So it's not kind of in the middle of nowhere, you know, it's like, it's close to your customer base um, which typically is, the East coast, you know, 80% of all e-commerce or all sales, typically retail sales are on the East coast. So it's good to be close to, um, the East coast and, um, you know, find a partner that can help accommodate what you're looking for. So, you know, if you need custom packaging, if you need, uh, uh, you know, fragile, uh, handling, or, um, if you need to integrate with different channels, you know, I think that's a big deal, especially in the, in the last couple of years where, you know, people need to be able to integrate, 
um, with not just their website, but you know, if you're selling on Amazon, for example, or eBay or, um, you know, another marketplaces, that's, it's important to find, look for a partner that can do all of that. Right. Uh, it's also important to look for an, um, you know, what, what is it, what is my day to day going to look like with this 3PL? You know, am I going to have to export a file and, and drop it to their FTP server? Or am I going to just be emailing orders? Am I going to be managing it in their platform? What does the platform look like? What can it do? Um, you know, can I manage my inventory? Does the inventory sync back? Um, you know, is it, is my life going to be easier? Cause the last thing that you want to do is outsource your, you know, your fulfillment to 3PL and then, you know, a couple of days later, you find out that you're spending more time managing the 3PL than just shipping the orders yourself. So right. that automated component is a super important element of, of finding the right partner. Yeah. Um, you know, it could also be like when going back to location, obviously, depending on where your suppliers are, you know, this is more of your area. But, um, you know, if, if you have suppliers domestically and your product is really heavy, you might try to find a location that's closer to your suppliers so you're not shipping across the country. Right. Uh, and... Um, you know, and then paying a lot in freight. Got it. Um, so, those, you know, those are some of the things. I mean, um, there's, there's obviously a lot more that goes into finding the right partner. But um, I think overall, it's also trying to look for somebody that maybe works with companies in the same industry. Um, right. or, you know, for a company that has this a little bit of experience in, in, you know, let's just say if you're selling jewelry, you know, it's a good idea to find a fulfillment center that ships a lot of jewelry. Right. Um, because it means that they're likely going to have experience with the same kind of product. Right. Do you think it's, it's interesting that, you know, you kind of mentioned it earlier where there's some companies that go out and like how to create their own fulfillment teams in house. You think that ever really makes sense when you go out and try to actually like hire someone to handle your fulfillment in house? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's definitely, uh, there's definitely scenarios where that makes sense. Um, I think, you know, there's people that love operations and, uh, you know, if you were, if you own an e-commerce company and you, you know, you're, you're good at marketing, but you also love operations and you just, you, you would actually enjoy shipping your own product or having a, your own team shipping your product. I think at that point it makes sense. And that's probably typically what happens. Um, you know, a lot of, I guess the other example might be if there is certain customization element that, you know, nobody is going to be able to do. So, you know, if you're embroidering shirts um, in a special way or you're, you know, you need people to literally handwrite notes um, or there's, you know, there's certain customization element that can be performed by a fulfillment center. And, you know, I mean, I, I think there's fulfillment centers that can be pretty flexible, but on the other hand, like there's always, it needs, you know, there's, there's a limit to what we as a company can do for a customer, um, you know, which makes sense, not only financial sense, but also a process sense. Right. Because you know, obviously we're trying to optimize all the processes to be able to work for all of our customers. So, um, you know, at that point, like if you have a kind of a unique process, it makes sense to probably keep it in-house. Um, but, you know, what we're finding a lot is that, you know, you don't really get the advantage of the, of the shipping rates, uh, of the discounted shipping rates, especially for the heavier packages. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to learn everything. So unless you have experience in operations, like you're learning everything from the ground up, like you got to right. figure out what system to use, what, you know, right. like hiring people, training people, you know, it's a lot of liability, a lot of overhead. Um, so I would say, I mean, you know, unless you're seriously like really good at operations and fulfillment, it's probably a good idea to just outsource. Got it. That's, that's a good answer. Can you, can you walk me through? I mean, I remember when I was starting my, you know, watches and sunglass brand like four, three, four years ago now, 
as I looked into fulfillment companies to work with, one of the most confusing parts was actually understanding the pricing. Like how much is it going to cost me to get started and how much is it going to cost me, you know, on a monthly basis to actually outsource my, you know, logistics and work with a 3PL. Can you walk me through, you know, typical pricing tiers and, and you know, or specifically to Shipmunk, like what's your, what's your guys pricing structure and how do most 3PLs set up their pricing? Yeah, no. So I think you know, when, when, when we first, when I first, kind of started doing the research and really looking into this whole um, uh, industry. That's exactly what I found out, you know, like people would send a three page PDF with like, okay, this is what, uh, you know, it's going to be a charge per touch and this is what receiving fee is. And this is what, you know, and it, it gets so confusing that like you need like a PhD person to really tell you what you're going to be paying. Right. Uh, and the, you know, the worst part of the whole thing is that you really never going to know what you're going to be paying until you get that bill. Um, so when we came into the game, we kind of said, okay, let's simplify it. Let's, you know, let's really only charge for things that people can calculate in advance. And, uh, so we streamlined the pricing and we really give a customer, um, you know, a price per pick. So basically there's no receiving fees. There's no like manipulation fees or, or anything like that. You basically just pay one like order fee, which includes the pick. Um, and then you pay the postage, um, then you pay packaging you know, whatever, whether it goes in a poly mail or bubble mail, it's obviously a different price. So, you know, that's uh, fat packaging and then storage. And that's pretty much it. You know, so there's only really four components to the pricing um, that we charge. You know, I think typically companies are learning to be more like that. You know, they're trying to simplify their pricing, trying to make it easier to understand. Um, and, you know, that's kind of, I think, where the industry is going towards. Um, but, you know, it, it, it really varies per company. So it's really hard to compare different fulfillment centers because you get like, you know, somebody's charging for receiving, somebody's not. And so it, obviously it's like, it's a little hard to compare, but yeah. um, typically I think the, the easier, you know, the way we, we approached it was like, let's make it as simple as possible so that anybody can easily calculate what, you know, their cost per order is going to be. Right. Yeah. I'm on your pricing page right now. Honestly, it's probably one of the best pricing pages I've seen for a, a fulfillment company. It's like so clear cut about how much you're willing to pay. And I think that's super important for an e-commerce company to understand, to figure out what their cost is going to be to work with a 3PL. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's awesome. Um, one of the kind of questions that a lot of listeners always bring up are what kind of products you see being successful for an e-commerce company. And, you know, when we talk about products, a lot of times we talk about, you know, the complexity of producing a product. If you have to, you know, create a mold to actually um, start selling your product, you know, maybe you're investing $30,000 into a mold before you even get a first sample. You're talking about marketing, you're talking about interest. You know, what are some of the products that you see being most successful in the e-commerce world right now? Yeah, so it's, you know, so it's funny. So I think the one thing that I want to say before I kind of get into the products category, I think the, uh, um, what we've learned or what I've learned and what I've seen over the years, I think the, you know, the best performing uh, companies are always ran by amazing marketing people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in other words, like I think that the key to e-commerce is, is amazing marketing, whether that's social or, you know, PPC or whatever you're doing, like, I think that's the first, um, you know, thing that we've seen, like uh, a lot of the times, even before um, we see the product, like we, you know, we can tell whether the person is going to be successful or not. Um, and the product, you know, obviously is, comes right after this, right? So if you have an amazing product, but you can't sell it, 
you know, it's, it's, it's really hard to, to make it. Um, and so that's kind of like, you know, in general, I think, you know, marketing is definitely an important uh, component of, of e-commerce, obviously. But, you know, going back to the categories, I think um, we have customers in pretty much any industry you can think of, you know, anything from jewelry, beauty, apparel. Um, and I think, um, you know, I don't think there's like any specific trend. Like you always have like a trendy thing where right. you know, like last year that was the, the fidget spinners and, the fidget right. spinners, and then it's like, you know, different beauty products, brushes and so um, I think really like what we see people have most success with is when they're trying to build a brand and they're trying to build, you know, their own product. So, you know, when you buy something um, and I think this is going to, I think I'm sure you see this a lot too. Like when you help people source products, like, you know, as long as the product is unique and like you're creating it, um, you know, you're really building a brand with right. a specific unique product um, where people basically can't buy it anywhere else. Um, right. I think that's what brings the most value. And that's, that's where you have protection. I mean, I love that you were kind of diving into the dynamics behind selling a branding, selling a product, because you can sell any product, but what's going to increase your margin and create retention and longer and, and greater you know, customer lifetime value is a branded product where people actually are excited by the brand. And like you look at, you know, Movement Watch is one of the fastest growing uh, watch companies in the world. Those guys are marketing guys that sell watches. They're in a watch company a marketing company that sells watches and now they sell sunglasses and a bunch of other different products that they've been able to put out there because they're so good at branding and marketing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And those are my thoughts. Exactly. You know, like those guys can source any kind of product and they're going to be able to sell it because I mean, it obviously has to be a good product, a marketable yeah. product, but, um, but like once you build a brand you build a good following and you deliver a good product, you know, it goes a long way. Right. Right. What, what do you think, about the dynamics behind, you know, drop shipping and actually private labeling or creating your own products. And by drop shipping, I'm, I'm mostly relating to, you know, overseas drop shipping where you're going through AliExpress and the customer experience. You know, this is where, like I see there's a lot of listeners that are drop shipping entrepreneurs. Some of them are looking to transition into creating their own brands, and they're, they're either looking for advice on how to make that transition, or just in general, you know, what do you think about that drop shipping dynamic? Yeah, so um, on that topic, I think you know, I think the um, the, the dropshipping world is is changing a little bit because uh, you know, especially with kind of what we talked about in the beginning, is consumers expect their products, um, you know, within let's just say two days now with Amazon, and even if they you know if they if they really want the product and it's let's just say it's super cheap, you know, they're willing to wait a little more, but I don't think anybody wants to wait thirty days for a product to arrive, so you know, going back to the whole brand experience and the customer experience, like if I order a product and I don't, you know, in 30 days, I don't even remember that I ordered anything. Um, so I think that is the first big kind of issue with drop shipping, right? Because unless you're drop shipping domestically, which that could easily work, but you know, if you were sourcing your products overseas and just basically sending orders to your suppliers and, you know, shipping a China packet or e-packet, you know, which takes like three to four weeks, um, I think that creates a pretty bad experience and it's very hard to build retention and have return customers. Right. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm sure there's some businesses where it works phenomenally well. Um, and you know, you, you, you're selling basically, that's the other issue. You're selling a product that, you know, a lot of other people are probably selling as well. Right. So uh, you kind of have a, a, a different competition. I mean, you know, it yeah, definitely you, works. 
Do you know much about the uh, dynamics of e-packets behind, you know, the China Postal Service and the United States Postal Service? Like, from what we've heard, the USPS loses about uh, over a dollar per shipment on e-packets. And within the next five years, that shipping method, you know, that partnership behind these two postal companies isn't going to exist anymore because it started to boost international trade. And, you know, trade has obviously already been boosted. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. I mean, I've heard some rumors where that apparently the Chinese government is subsidizing a lot of the postage costs mm-hmm. um, to be able to, you know, uh, ship it. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, USPS technically is doing the same thing because they've been losing money for, right. you know, I guess, forever. So, uh, <laughs> you know, which is something that FedEx and UPS doesn't like because then they can offer like crazy pricing, a lot of different services. So um, I don't know exactly what's going to happen with it. I think you know, going back to, to that question, what, what I do see uh, with some companies that do have a decent volume and maybe they, they let's just say they source custom products, you know, so they do some, you know, they, they sell a lot of customization and it wouldn't be financially feasible for them to do it um, here domestically. Mm-hmm. You know, they, what we've done for a lot of different companies is that if the margin is there, right, like you can't do this on a $4 product, but if you're mm-hmm. selling a a $30 or $40 product, um, you know, what we've done is we've basically air freighted, um, let's say on once or twice or three times a week or some companies three times, you know, every day, uh, we would air freight the finished inventory for that day or week. Um, and then we would basically uh, just relabel it and ship it domestically. So uh, what we've done for, for a couple of companies is they would basically have individual orders ready to go in China we would air freight it over and then just ship it to customers domestically, which, you know, basically eliminates the packet service. You are getting a great cost and, you know, you're looking at maybe uh, seven days delivery time, you know? That's awesome. I haven't even heard about the, a lot of people doing that. So that's a pretty cool method. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, haven't, really, yeah, we haven't really advertised it, but uh, we've had some interest in it lately. And so I think that's awesome. Can- I mean, I think that's great for a lot of these drop shipping type of entrepreneurs. One of the last questions I have is, you know, we see this trend, especially on the sourcing and manufacturing side through Sourceify, where a lot of factories are trying to go direct to consumer. You know, they are manufacturing these products. They're making a lower margin than these brands that are, you know, contracting these factories to produce the products with. And they want to go directly to consumers and they want to sell through Amazon. They want to start their own Shopify stores. Have you, you know, seen that trend as well? Are you working with any international sellers that, um, you know, or are basically looking to get that direct to consumer access that are, you know, actually more wholesale or factory oriented? Um, so we haven't, I mean, I, I don't think we currently work with anybody that would be um, a direct manufacturer and then they would be selling the product as well. Um, you know, I think typically that's not what they're good at. So it's very similar to, I guess, what we've talked about, you know, once you, if you're good at selling the product, you're probably not good at um, you know, shipping it or logistics. Right. And I think a lot of these manufacturers, they, they would love to sell it directly, but they just, they just don't know how or they can't. So, um, and I, we did, I come, I came across recently uh, a couple of people that, you know, like just kind of overheard talking to other e-commerce entrepreneurs that, you know, they started seeing that trend, but we haven't really come across it. So I don't know if they're, you know, drop shipping themselves directly from right. or what their strategy is, but, um, uh, I definitely came across it you know, a couple different thoughts. Interesting. That's, that's amazing. So last question here, just wrapping up, where do you see the future of, you know, e-commerce going? And you can take this question wherever you think 
it should head. Um, you know, we see this trend towards retailers going more direct. We see, you know, obviously the growth in e-commerce. You know, in the next five to 10 years, are more people going to shop online than in retail stores? And how is that going to affect the global economy? Yeah, for sure. So I think, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to get too macroeconomical here, but I think um, overall the retail, you know, everything is shifting from retail to e-commerce. It's, it's, it's a, um, you know, it's, it's getting to, uh, you know, people are by nature lazy. And so they, it's, it's a lot easier for them to just shop online than, um, than going to a retail store. And obviously, you know, that's nothing new. Everybody knows that. Uh, but I think with, with modern technology, you know, like um, augmented reality and, and even virtual reality, um, you know, it's gonna, you're going to be able to bring the retail experience to the consumer, to their homes, and then um, basically be able to bring that product over to, um, you know, and just, just basically order it right there and then get it delivered within, you know, ideally, depending on where you live and, and you know, max two days, ideally same day or maybe next day. Um, you know, it's obviously creating a lot of pressure on the infrastructure of, of the logistics world because to get a product delivered to the customer next day, you know, you need to have warehouses in those right. uh, metro areas. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how um, companies like FedEx and DHL and, and Amazon, in this case specifically, are going to be able to battle it. Um, so, you know, I, I, think, I think we're all, you know, uh, in the all the players in the e-commerce world are super excited about what the future holds because uh, there's only good things coming. I think, especially considering how fast the e-commerce world is growing. Um, so, you know, who knows? But um, it's you know, it's definitely definitely really exciting. I don't know if you come across. I just wanted to share this with you because I came across an app um, recently where because um, I was getting I'm actually getting married this June. And Congrats! Was, That's uh, amazing. Thanks. And, uh, you know, I was, I was uh, having a custom suit made, right, for the wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I went to a tailor and they measured me and did all that stuff. And then I ordered the, the suit. And then a week later, my buddy tells me about this app. Um, I think it's called TaylorMade. Mm-hmm. And basically, you download the app and, you, and it's basically custom made for your body. Um, and it works super good. So, like, you know, you order, um, you order the shirt and it, like, it fits perfectly. Wow. Um, you know, I think that's like, that's where this is heading. You know, it's this custom shopping experience where, you know, you literally have like they scan your body and you have it made. For right. You. So, that's, you know, that's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, Dan, thank you so much for coming on. If, if people want to learn more about you and, and find out more about Shipmunk, where can they find you? Um, so, you know, the easiest thing is to just go to www shipmong.com s-h-i-p-m-o-n-k um and um yeah and then you know hit us up through the contact form or um you know we're always available or at sales at shipmong.com and um we'll be happy happy to see if uh you know if we go fit and if we can help out awesome that's amazing well there you have it all thanks again for tuning into e-commerce on tap be on the lookout for the next episode. We're always trying to provide as much value as we can here at Sourceify. And thanks again for tuning in. And there you have it. Thanks again for tuning in to e-commerce on tap. If you could like, subscribe, tell a friend, really spread the word about the information we're getting out there. That would be much appreciated. 
Also, if you have any manufacturing questions or need help with your manufacturing, feel free to reach out to Sourceify for the fastest growing manufacturing platform, helping hundreds of companies produce products around the world. Thanks again and have a great one.